Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Amen. Well, let's get into the Word today. We have been in a two-week series. We were going to do another series. Last week, uh, we felt like we needed to make a quick shift. I want to just thank Brittany Ling. Brittany has put together all of our graphics and all of our different things you've seen and your handouts and all that stuff. She did all that in about a day and a half, and she pulled it off. And I just think, wow, that's pretty awesome. So, uh, But she made a switch, quick switch, and we're on a, a two-week campaign to talk about this idea of make room. And what we're going to do today is we're going to finish this kind of two-week thought, but I want to give you context today of where we've been last week, where we were at, and the context of this verse in this scripture is that that, uh, the people of God were, were, uh, God's people were uh, in a season where they were uh, beginning to choose to no longer serve the Lord. God was their creator. God was their, their, their maker. God was their, their God. He was their leader. Uh, he was the one who pulled them out of Egypt. He was the one that led them through the, through the wilderness into the promised land to live a life of blessing and a life of, of, of provision and a life of, of fruitfulness. And over time, they begin to find themselves kind of wavering in their faith in God. And they begin to kind of allow different idols in their life. And they begin to intermarry with other cultures and begin to accept other uh, philosophies and other gods and other religions and they began to just kind of stray away from their savior God and and so over time God continued to send them prophets to try to encourage them to come back to God and say come on he would send his prophets and a prophet in the old testament was basically like when you saw a prophet in those days it was like literally being in the in in the in the presence of God because they were speaking on behalf of God and so in those days it wasn't like now where you can close your eyes and say the name of Jesus and open your heart to the Holy Spirit and he just starts speaking as numerous as the sands of the seashore, then it wasn't like that. Then they would have a prophet who would hear the voice of God and he would prophesy the words of the Lord. That's where we get uh, in the book of Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah and all these scriptures are, are, are prophets who are prophesying and so they would God would send his prophets time and time again to prophesy to these people to come back to me, come back to me, let, let go of your idols, let go of these other gods, let go of these other things and he sent these prophets to try to bring them back to him. And what they would do is they would kill these prophets and they would say, we don't want to hear your word. We don't want to hear what you have to say. And so they would kill the prophets and they would go and worship other gods. And they eventually abandoned God's temple altogether. And they worshiped foreign gods and plain and simple, they chose themselves over God. And so God being the faithful and compassionate and, and, and uh, enduring in love for his people, continue to love them and continue to stay married to them and continue to stay connected to them and he continued to love them. But eventually it came to a place where God's anger, his frustration with his people, he, he couldn't, it was the point where he said, listen, I'm now gonna have to release you to your sin. I love you. I will never stop loving you. You'll always be my creation. You'll always be my sons and daughters. You'll always be my wife or you'll always be my bride. But, but I want you to know that I'm going to release you to your devices. I'm going to release you to your sin. I'm going to release you so that you can understand what it's like to live a life without God. And so we see that he was upset. The scripture tells us that he was angry. 
He was frustrated. Now, through our natural mind, the, the idea of anger, it's hard for us to understand because when we're angry, it's an it's a emotional uh, uh, emotional response, or it comes from a, uh, comes from our broken and fallen nature. God doesn't have a fallen nature, so He's able to be angry and yet completely loving. He's able to be angry and. Com- and have a complete desire to love you and have unfailing love and compassion. He's able to be angry and frustrated with his children, meanwhile loving them wholeheartedly and completely. And what we learn about the God in this scripture is that he was very upset and he began to execute his, the consequences. And the consequences were that for 70 years, the people of God were taken captive by a Babylonian army came in and ransacked all of Israel and Jerusalem. And they burned down the temple and they burned down their homes and they burned down everything. And they were taken captive into the Babylonian nation and now were made to be servants. And they were no longer able to worship their gods. And they were no longer experiencing the provision and the protection of their God. And they were living for 70 years in captivity, far from their the, the the destiny and the purpose that God had for them. They were removed and disconnected from that reality for 70 years. And all during that 70 years, God would prophesy to them. Jeremiah would come and says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. When you get out of this season, you will search me and you will look for me and you will find me, says God. He says, I have a plan for you not to harm you. I know you feel like you're in a season where I'm harming you and I'm hurting you and I'm breaking you. But the reality is this, I've never stopped loving you one time. The situation you're in is not because of me, says God. It's because of your choices. So we see that the context of this verse is that God is now coming to them and saying, listen, I was angry with you, but now I've relented in my anger and I'm gonna bring you out of this season of captivity and I'm gonna bring you into a season of blessing, into a season of security, into a season where you can have established and find my love and experience me once again. And so last week we talked about this scripture, single barren, sing barren woman, you have never bore a child. This is talking about the people of Israel. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her husband, says the Lord. And it continues. He says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your children, your descendants, will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. And we talked about how this is a new season for us to make room for fresh faith. That when we look at our situation, we say, God, I feel broken and hurting and rejected. God says, listen, sing, oh barren woman, sing, person of God. Have faith in this season to know that despite the circumstance you are in, God is doing something new in our midst. He says, not only that, but we need to create space for fresh miracles. He says, now you have more children as a desolate woman, as, a, as an individual who's been broken and hurting and abandoned. Now in this season, I know this, the past has been hard and I know it's been difficult and I know you've been praying for breakthrough in your life, but we're gonna have fresh faith for new miracles in our midst, amen? We talked about how we're gonna make room for our growing family and larger tents. And the purpose of this two-week series was to kind of bring you on board of what's happening as we expand to our new bay. I want you to hear me. We do have that bay. Some of you were very confused last week with what I said. I want you to know we have the bay, this bay back here, 2,500 square feet given to us for free for one year. And then we'll start paying $8 a square foot, which is nothing. And that's gonna be our new kids area, our kids uh, our kids zone up there. We're gonna have a place for uh 
family ministries, uh, or youth ministry and kids ministry, and there's going to be preschool and foster care closet and storage, and upstairs, we're eventually going to have classrooms and offices and a media room up there, and then down here, we're going we're gonna to knock out, whoop, wrong slide, sorry, uh, I don't have that on here, whoop, I doubled it, but anyways, down here, we're going to knock out this wall, and we're going to make the lobby bigger, we're going to make a bigger family room, and the kids are going to go to the nursery, we're expanding in this season, and we need to make more room for more people, amen? I talked about the ways you can engage in this season. I gave you this card last week. If you didn't get it, grab one on the back. It has our prayer points. We're going to pray in this season. We're going to pray for families and little ones and fellowship and the presence of Jesus and the next generation. And we love this city and hospitality and spiritual growth and new believers and counseling, administration and creativity. We're going to pray together. Not only that, we're asking you to give. Give of your time. That means Anything, anywhere. You might not be good with a hammer. Just come and say, I'm here to serve. Put me to work. We need your help. Come on, if you give your talents, maybe you're good in a specific area. We need your help in a specific area with carpentry and plumbing and electricians and people who can run wires and people who can work a hammer and all sorts of things. We, We need your help. And so you can sign up right in the back or online on your church app or online. Ryan is going to be leading the project. And so you can sign up for whatever area you want to sign up. And the third one is obviously with your treasures. We encourage you to pray if the Holy Spirit wants you to give an offering above and beyond your tithe in this season. We need to get some new chairs to fill up the back. There's some construction work we got to do up there. We have some money in the bank, praise God, that we're going to be able to put towards this. But I want to just, I want to encourage you to pray, ask the Lord. He might say, hey, they might have it taken care of, but I'd like you to give this much, or I'd like you to give that above and beyond your tithe. And I told you, I'd spend two weeks talking about it, and then I'm done. I want to encourage you, ask the Holy Spirit. He might speak to you. And I want to make you this promise, as has always happened in my life, when the Lord speaks to you about your finances and you obey, he blesses you. He blesses you. He blesses you. And so, come on, I want to continue in, our, in, in this thought today, and we'll move past that today, but I want to just continue talking to you about a few other areas where we need to make some room. Let's continue in this scripture here today. This is God talking to his people, Israel, calling them back. And this is what he says. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. For a brief moment, I abandoned you, but with deep compassion, I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, our Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn to you not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. What we need to do in this season is we need to make room for more of God's lost children. This is a season, you see this analogy here where where Isaiah, God is prophesying, he's speaking to his people, and he's using the analogy of a husband and a wife. He's saying, listen, I'm married to you. We are one, we are connected. But the wife in this story has chosen to have other lovers. The wife in this story has chosen to choose another way and to abandon her covenant relationship with her husband. And he says, listen, I was a frustrated husband. 
I was frustrated because I continued to love you and provide for you and help you, yet somewhere in the journey, you decided to keep going back to your other lovers, to keep going back to this other environment, to keep going back and continue to reject me in this season. And he says, I was so angry that I said, okay, fine, just go be with your other lover, fine. We're not gonna divorce. I'm not gonna give up on you. I'm not gonna quit. But in this season, I'm gonna step back and say, listen, you do what you need to do. And he's saying, listen, just in that way, in that moment, I had a surge of anger, I had a surge of frustration. I was angry. There was a wrath within me that was so upset that even though I loved you with all my heart, you continued to rebel against me. But now that season's over. Now you've been in that season, you've been there. And he says, listen, what I did to you in that moment, when I released and allowed the people of Babylon to come in and overtake you, he says, that will never happen again. Why? I'm going to send my son, Jesus, to settle the score. That no matter what you do and where you've been and how far you've gone from me, my love will continue no matter what in your life. He says, the time is up. I still love you. Though the mountains be shaken, and though the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace will be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. There was a time when God's wrath was so strong against his people that he said, listen, I love you and I created you, but I'm gonna pull back from you because you need to understand what it's like to be without me. But I'm not gonna do that again, just like in the days of Noah. I'm not gonna do that again. Why? Because I'm gonna send my son and I'm going to send my son and he's going to wash you and he's going to clean you and he's going to have a new covenant with you because the reality is now in this world today, there is nothing you can do that will separate you from God's love. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love, no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. There is nothing that you can do. You can't stray far enough for God not to want to pursue you and love you. You say, Ryan, you don't know what I did. I say, I do. God knows what you did. And Jesus died for that very purpose. So we aren't just a group of people who accept the love of God and just say, okay, we're going to be religious and ritualistic. No, we come back to the, and be reminded that we were wayward wives. We were wayward lovers with God. And he died on the cross to bring us back to him. Look what the scripture says in Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth, which is most of us in the room, unless you're Jewish by descent. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, say now, now. but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Amen. Come on, Colossians chapter two, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sins having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. 
And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. This is why we exist as a church. We don't exist just to have a cute little Christian club that votes on the color of the carpet. No, we don't exist just to kind of play church and just be like, okay, it's, you know, it's just safe and we're just good. No, we are here to, to go after people who are far from God that they might know that you are lost, but now you are found. I know you've rejected God, but it, it doesn't matter to him. He just wants you by faith. You just have to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he loves you and believe in your heart and you will be saved. We're here to make room for people who are far from God. And so this is what we've done. We have a card here. Thank you, Brittany, that we printed out. And on this card, you can pass these out real quick, Anna, please. We're going to get these passed out to you. But on this card, it says, we're all about helping people know Jesus, making disciples and planting churches that impact generations. We will make a place for people to experience Jesus. Amen. Amen. What we're going to do on this card is we're going to write down names on this card. Now, I want to encourage you, Christian, today. You say, Ryan, I don't have any names. That's an issue. If you don't have any names, follower of Jesus, that's a problem. We need to get some names of people that you're trying to share your faith with. And what we're going to do is, whether it's your dad or your mom or your neighbor, I'm going to write down Dan and Kate Pubin, my neighbors, who I've been trying to share the, my faith with. Uh, and it's not going so well, but I'm trying <laughs> I'm going to put their name down. And what we're going to do is we're going to put their names down. And then we're going to, together, we're going to put these in a box right here. And we're going to put these in this box just like that. And what we're going to do is we're really going to pray that in this box, and once we pray for this box, we're going to probably be extending the stage and doing some work up there. We're going to take these names and we're going to put them within the building of our build. And we're going to believe that young people, children, moms, dads, neighbors, aunts, uncles are going to come back to Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, if this doesn't excite you, you need to do a pulse check because this is why we exist. We are here to reach people that are far from God. Amen? Amen. And so what we're going to do is I want you to pray about it. Wednesday night, we're going to start this. We're going to put them in here anytime you want during the service. Well, not during preaching, but afterwards, if you could put it right in here. And we're going to just keep this up here for about a month or so. And then when Ryan's ready, we're going to find a place for it in our new build or maybe even under our stage right down because we're going to extend our stage a little bit. And we're going to put maybe right here in the middle and believe these people are going to come to Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray right now. Come on, get your card out. Holy Spirit, right now we pray. Lord, help us not to be Pharisees who know the word, but don't live the word. That's my prayer from my life, God. Help me not to just accept the good news, the, the, the answer to life itself, and just be so happy with it that I don't tell anyone else about it. Father, I pray that there would be a fresh burden for the lost in our church. I pray that we would make room for God's lost children. We would make room for people who are far from you. We wouldn't be so narrow-minded to think that you just died for us. You died for everyone. So I pray, Lord, in the next two weeks, in the next month, as we put names in here, I pray that there would be supernatural miracles. I pray that people who would never get saved, on the very bottom it says, my long shot. Lord, I pray for those long shots right now. The people who've rejected God, the people who've cursed at you, the people who say, I'll never. Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, there would be radical salvation in their lives and that Love City Church will be full, not just of healthy Christians, but of new believers, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said. Amen. Come on, let's go on to our next thought here today. Let's read the next verse in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 11. So we need to make room for fresh faith. We need to make room for more miracles. We need to make room for more people, our growing family, our children. 
We need to make room for, uh, for lost people. We need to make room uh, in this season for God to build his church in your life. Look what it says. Afflicted city, lashed by storms not, and not comforted. Remember, he's talking to the people of Israel, his people. I will rebuild you with stones of turquoise, your foundations with lapis lazuli. I will make your battlements or your windows of rubies, your gates of sparkling jewels, and all your walls of precious stone. We have to make room for God to build his church and your life. Now, it'd be very easy to read this verse and just like, I have no idea what he's talking about. What is a battlement? What are lupus lazuli? <laughs> See, what God is saying here is something very interesting is that he uh, it communicates very clearly in the scripture. He says, listen, you were, you were afflicted and you were, you were lashed by storms and you were not uh, comforted. That word afflicted there literally means depressed, depressed in the mind due to your circumstances. Literally, it speaks to a heaviness of depression in your mind, a weightedness because of the situation that you are facing or up against. The word, the idea of lashed by storms is that you are tossed back and forth by the life that you're living or tossed back and forth by the circumstances that you're facing or by the past that you've experienced. And so we see that there's a depression of our, our mind and there's an external impact on our lives. He says that you've been afflicted and you have been uh, tossed back and forth. And the scripture here says you have found no comfort. You haven't been able to put your roots down. It feels like nothing's ever concrete. Nothing's ever consistent. Every single time I get my life in order and things are going good, another storm comes. Does anybody agree with me? Every single time I get my finances in order, I get my relationship in order. Oh, we have another fight or oh, another bill or oh, I finally get healthy. Then another uh, bill of, of sickness. Every single time I get myself clear, something else comes. It's like I have no comfort. I can't put my roots down. I can't feel like I'm ever steady. What's interesting about this is that that phrase comfort, you've tossed back and forth by the battles of life. There's a depression in your mind. That phrase comfort in the Hebrew actually means the idea that I'm not sorry. It's this weird idea. It's just this interesting Hebrew word that speaks that I'm unable to console myself. It, it actually speaks to this idea of the hardening of our heart. That when life is throwing me back and forth, when there's situations I'm facing and there's a depression in my mind, what's happening is, is my heart is not able to settle. And so I begin to get heart of heart. The word actually speaks to not repenting, not acknowledging our need for God. So he's saying, listen, you're an afflicted city. You're lashed by storms. You haven't been comforted. You haven't put your faith in me. You haven't truly trusted in me. I know it's hard. I know the situation is beyond comprehension. It's something you never thought you'd have to face. But he says in this phrase, not comforted, but I believe that in this season, maybe your heart is no longer trusting fully in the Lord. We have to allow the Lord to build us. Jeremiah spoke about this. What happens often is when you and I face circumstances in our life or when difficulty comes, you know, when the city says we can't build up here or whatever, or the finances aren't quite there or the, you know, situations in the church or, you know, we're having hiccups with ministries or maybe in your life you're facing hardship or difficulty. What happens? How do you know our response is to do what? We go into fix mode. We go into give me that steering wheel mode. We go into the mode and says, you know what, God? You're moving a little slow and you're a little late. Give me the driver's seat and I'm going to go. We just try to get there. 
And I have found in my life, in the church, Pastor James will know it because I have to apologize to him every week, that this does not get you anywhere but in trouble. Look what Jeremiah says about this. Jeremiah says, the Lord says, cursed is the man or woman who puts his trust in mortal man and turns his heart away from God. He is like a stunted shrub in the desert with no hope for the future. He lives on the salt-encrusted plains in the barren wilderness. Good times will come to them, but they don't even realize they're there. They just pass them by. Even the good things in your life, you can't see it. I can't even see it when God is blessing me. I can't even see it when God is doing good things. I can't even see it when God is in my life because I don't have my trust in the Lord. I haven't allowed God to build me. I'm in a season of hardship. And instead of choosing to trust the Lord, I'm choosing to put my life into my own hands. We see here that Jeremiah is prophesying to the people of Israel in this same season. He's saying to them, listen, when we take matters into our own hands because life isn't going our direction, it, that's what caused them to get into the season of Babylon in the first place. But God says, okay, no more of that. He says, listen, look what he says in the scripture. Look, I want you to notice. He says, I will say, I will. Okay, no more of that. No more being in a season where you're relying on yourself. No more being in a season where you're trying to do things on your own. No more of that. Listen, I will rebuild you. I will make you. I'm going to begin to work in your life. But you have to let me. You've got to get your hands off the steering wheel. You've got to get yourself out of the driver's seat. You've got to get your life and what you're trying to figure out. You've got to say, okay, God, I know I've got plans and I have an agenda and I have a future and I've got struggles. But God, right now, I'm going to say, Lord, I'm going to put my trust in you. Look what Jeremiah says in, in, in verse uh, 7. But blessed is the man. Say blessed. blessed. Who trusts in the Lord. Who has made the Lord his hope and the Lord his confidence. That person's like a tree planted along a riverbank with its roots reaching deep into the water. A tree not bothered by the heat nor worried by long months of drought. Its leaves stay green and it goes right on producing all its luscious fruit despite the fact that the heat, despite the fact that there's worry, despite the fact that there's circumstances. You say, I choose to make myself available and I'm going to make room for God to do what he wants to do in my life. The Lord has been speaking to me, a little side note, about idolatry in my life. Plans in my life about the church, plans in my life about some of you who I want to see do this and do that and accomplish this and go here. Plans for my own children, says Ryan. It's idolatry when you try to plan your future without considering me. When you hold on to this concrete idea of what my life should look like, this is a shock to me that this is going on. So I'm mad at God because this wasn't in the plan. God says, well, that's idolatry. You now have your plans and your ways and your future and your ideas and your wants and your, your success as the forefront of your mind when the forefront of our mind should be this. Lord, may I decrease so that you can increase. God, not my will, but yours be done. God, not what I want, but what you want. Lord, we make room for you to build our lives. We make room for you, Father. And look what happens when we do this. I don't know why God threw this in there. Verse 13, all your children will be taught by the Lord. 
If you choose to trust to the Lord, you choose to say, okay, Lord, I don't like the fact that you're going to challenge this attitude. You're going to challenge this sinful behavior. I don't like the fact that I have to humble myself. And really, I just want to prove to everybody that I'm doing okay. Okay, if you humble yourself and let God build you, all your children will be taught by the Lord and great will be their peace. So your choice to let God build you and to let God build our church doesn't just impact you. It impacts your genealogy. In righteousness, you will finally be established. You'll finally get your roots down. You'll finally be firm. You'll finally get your roots down in life and the drama will dissipate, praise God. Say, Ryan, will the, the, will the problems go away? No, but how you respond to them will, which will decrease your drama. You'll be sitting at home facing all sorts of problems. And you say, why aren't I upset about it? Why aren't I anxious? Why aren't I frustrated? Why don't I have any drama? Oh, it's because I trust the Lord. Come on, I want to finish this here this morning. Let's keep reading in Isaiah 54. Look what it says. Tyranny will be far from you. You have nothing to fear. You make room for God to build your life. Terror will be removed. It will not come near you. You guys are all reading this, right? Tyranny will be far from you and you will have nothing to fear. Terror will be removed. It will not come near you. If anyone does attack you, it won't come from God. Whoever attacks you is going to surrender. See, it is I who created the blacksmith and fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work. And it's I who created the destroyer to recap. He's saying, I created the blacksmith who makes weapons. He's saying, I created the devil who, just, who causes havoc. I created him. He fell. Now he's running around the earth. He's the God of this world. He's destroying and wreaking havoc. But guess what? No weapon formed against you will prosper. And you will refute every tongue that accuses you. In this season, we need to make room for spiritual warfare. You understand something about this verse? It doesn't say if you'll be attacked. It says when you're attacked. He says, yes, there was a time when I pulled back so that you'd be taken captive by the Babylonians. But I want you to know that's not going to happen again. When you face an attack in your life, you have to understand something. It is not God attacking you. God is not attacking you. God is not hurting you. Love, there's a narrative in our minds today that thinks that, oh man, am I bad? Or did I do something wrong? Or did I make a mistake? Is that why this is happening? No, it's called a spiritual attack. Some of us are so spiritual that when the, when the, the glazed cream cheese donuts run out of Tim Hortons, you call it the devil. It's a devil. Like, oh, the, the donut, it's a devil. It's out, it's a devil. Some of you, you have a fight with your wife and she thinks you're wrong and you're like, it's the devil. You think everything's the devil. You guys here this morning? Only half of you do that? Okay. I think you get a parking spot. Oh, it's the devil. He's attacking me. But many of us here today don't even realize that we're in a spiritual attack and warfare altogether. Some of you might be the over-spiritual ones that think everything's the devil. Light bulb goes out, it's the devil. But many of us here today, what we do is we minimize the reality that we are in a spiritual warfare that you are facing a demonic attack in your life and you don't even realize it. You say, man, why does it feel like I'm constantly experiencing this depression? Why does it feel like that it's wave after wave after wave after wave? Have you stopped to consider that the devil wants to still kill and destroy you? 
Have you stopped to consider that when the, there is an attack in your life, that when you are being attacked, it's not God. If it's not God and it's not me, it must be the devil. It's the devil. And what you need to understand today, that we're so afraid to accept the fact that the devil wants to attack me in my life. Here's what I want to tell you. If the devil is not attacking you, that's a problem. Because if the devil's not attacking you, it's because you're not a threat. When the devil begins to attack you, you know God's about to do something. He says, okay, create space in your life for me. Create space for faith and create space for miracles. And create space for more people and create space for God to begin to move in your life. And when you begin to do that, what does the devil do? He attacks. There's a reason why he attacks. Every single time someone gets water baptized in our church, they get attacked. They get attacked. They get attacked. Why? It's because God is trying to do something through your life. We have to understand something that in this season, that in the day that we're living in, that even though you are attacked, even though there will be attacks, even though there is a weapon formed against you right now, the devil actually has a strategy and a plan and a weapon that is actually forged with your name on it. We have a promise from God that no weapon formed against us will prevail. We have a promise from God that no matter how hard it gets, I know how difficult it gets, we can stand the test of time and remain faithful and trust in the Lord, knowing that we have a God who says it won't touch you, it won't come near you, you've been saved, I'm here to help you, I'm going to push back the devil. Jesus Christ died and rose again for this very purpose. Now, I feel like I'm speaking to a different perspective in the second service than I did in the first service. I feel like in the first service, I was talking to the people who thought that the light bulbs were demonic. <laughs> I feel like in this service, I'm talking to people in the room who don't realize that you're in a demonic attack. I sense in my heart today, many of you have been almost experiencing your life. I just see it right now. You've been going through life and life's been hitting you hard. And your first response is to say, God, why are you doing this to me? God wants to remind you tonight or today that he's not doing this to you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. He says, hey, if you do get attacked, it wasn't me. He wants you to know today that if you are being attacked by the enemy, if the devil is attacking you, if you are in spiritual warfare, you should take joy. Why? Because you will not be overcome. Look what the scripture teaches us here in 1 Corinthians 10. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Who tempts? The devil. So when you're tempted, say when. Say it again, when. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So that means when you're facing temptation in your life, you're feeling it onslaught of temptation say God I can't do this just, my word says you can why because no weapon formed against you will prosper look what he says well how do I deal with the temptation well he provides an exit that's what he says a way of escape every single time you are tempted by the devil there is always a red exit sign in your situation you're a young man at home looking on the computer you get tempted to look at stuff you know you stand up and run out of that house just like Joseph did and leave your coat behind you God will always provide a way of escape why because no weapon formed against you will or can prosper God has given you everything that you need to fight the battle that you're facing look what he says in first Peter chapter 5 be careful watch out for our, our for attacks from Satan your great enemy, 
He prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. But stand firm when he attacks. Say when. When he attacks. Look at this. Trust the Lord. Remember that the other Christians all around the world are going through the same sufferings as well. You need to understand something today that many of you might be in a situation where you're experiencing spiritual attack and you don't even realize that the devil has been running rampant in your life. Today, I'm going to pray. There'll be a revelation in your life to say, you know what? This isn't God. This isn't me. This is the devil. And that you've been given all authority in Christ Jesus by the blood of Jesus Christ to overcome every spiritual demonic attack that you're facing. Now, the final thing here today, and I'll let you go. Look what it says. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. I just sensed this morning that this is for, for this service. How many of you have ever been in a spot where you've had the devil come and run rampant on your brain by saying things like, man, you're a terrible dad or you're a terrible wife. Man, you're such, you make so many mistakes, man. You barely read your Bible, man. You never pray or, oh, I know what you did last week. I know what you did last night. All of these accusations in my mind. How many of you have ever experienced that or experienced that on a regular basis? I know I do. My mind is constantly being run rampant with how bad I am and how, how all these things. Well, guess what? That's called condemnation. And now, because we are making room for God in our lives, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus what it says in Revelations. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night. The devil stands at the very throne of God and says, yeah, look what Ryan did. Look how Ryan thinks in his heart. He does not deserve your grace. He didn't deserve your love. He didn't deserve to be here. He didn't deserve to be a dad. He didn't deserve to be a husband. Oh, no way, God. You should never let him. These accusations are constantly coming. He has been hurled down. You can silence the voice of that condemnation because you have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and you can say no weapon formed against me will prosper and you can refute every word of accusation that has come against your mind. The heritage of the servants of the Lord and this is the vindication from me, declares the Lord. This belongs to you. We have to make room for God to build us. Got to make room and say, okay, God, I'm going to stop putting my trust in myself. Put my trust in you. Put my heart on you. And when an enemy attacks me, it's not the Lord. I put my faith in Jesus. Put my hope in him. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet today? Come on, let me pray for you and I'll let you go today. If you're here today and you need prayer, I'm going to have our prayer team come forward right now if you could. Come on forward. We want to pray for you. So if you're here today and you need prayer, don't, don't be shy. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you and say, oh, what will people think or what will people know? Just come forward and get prayer. I'm going to dismiss us here today. I want to pray for you. The worship team's just going to play. But I just said some of you today need some prayer. I want you to come forward and we'll add more people to the prayer team if there's more people. Come on, let me pray for you today. Lord, as we go today, we say, Jesus, thank you that you uh, are, are building us. You're making us God. You're creating space for more lost people, Lord. Lord, you're helping us in our spiritual battle. I pray today, Lord, for every person struggling in this room, every person today who does not know you, Jesus, who's far from you, all they have to do is confess out loud with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ, you're Lord. 
and they will be saved right now. And this can be their heritage as well. So Lord, we declare healing and transformation and a move of your spirit in everyone's life today. And as we go, Lord, Lord, we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Come on, if you need prayer, please.